0: Welcome in to episode 20 of the Buy the Numbers Sports Analytics Podcast. My name is Noah Swan. I'm joined by two my two hosts today. Kevin, welcome back. It's been a, been a couple episodes. How's it going? What's up, guys? Missed you the last time. Happy to be here. Happy to be almost going back to school. True. And, and Andrew, who's just moved back to the campus. Andrew, how's it going?
1: Uh, doing great, Noah. Uh, glad to be back on campus uh,
0: and excited to get going. Awesome. Well, uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of news going on. Uh, two kind of major player movement deadlines have happened or, or kind of periods have happened, the MLB trade deadline and then NBA free agency, which is pretty crazy. We'll start with the MLB trade deadline because uh, that happened a little bit further back. Um, Andrew, you want to take us through kind of the the biggest events and biggest moves or surprises that, that took place um, during the MLB trade deadline?
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, you know, for the baseball fans out there, I think we all know, that this trade deadline uh, was one of the crazier um, trade deadlines of all time. Uh, a insane amount of top tier players were traded. Um, and I think when it comes down to that, I think a lot of teams just saw an opportunity to to punt on this season. If they weren't competitive, like the twins, the Cubs, the, Na- the nationals uh, and restock uh, their uh, farm system for next seasons uh, or next season and uh, more seasons to come. So, uh, Usually, you know, like at a trade deadline, you'll see, you know, maybe three marquee players get dealt. Um, but in this case, there were, you know, nine to 10. Um, the biggest deals, I think, obviously came towards the latter half of the trade deadline. So the last few days, um, chiefly, uh, the Max Scherzer and and uh, Trey Turner uh, being dealt to the Dodgers, which was a shock to everybody. Um, the Nationals are a like a pretty competitive team right now. They were around 500 in a week, uh, division in the NL East. So to see them trade away, you know, franchise pillars, uh, from their world series run just, you know, two or three years ago, uh, was pretty shocking, especially, uh, with the fact that they were dealt in the same package. Um, I think some people expected Scherzer to be dealt, uh, because of his age and the fact that his contract's near its end after this season. Um, so that wasn't too much of a surprise, but The inclusion of Trey Turner in that package, to me, was shocking because it's not as if the Nationals don't have young talent. They have, uh, you know, one of the best hitters in the game right now, Juan Soto, who's only 22 years old. Um, They had Turner. They have guys um, in the outfield that are still young, uh, Victor Robles, for for example. Um, So it's not like they're going into a full-on rebuild. Um, They did maximize their return on, on that package, though, because of the two... Um, Upper-level prospects they got in AAA, who are major league ready. Um, the, the, the biggest prospect they got on that deal was uh, catcher Kybert Ruiz, uh, who's currently in, in AAA for the Nationals, and uh, right-hander Josiah Gray. Um, Josiah Gray has already um, made like four to five starts uh, with the Nationals at the major league level, and he's got um, electric stuff. He has a 1.8 ERA um, thus far this season, so... A good return uh, for Washington, but still pretty crazy to see those two uh, franchise players get dealt in the same package to a Dodgers team now that is completely stacked in the infield and is primed, I think, for a a World Series repeat run. So that was a big package. I'll talk about my twins. Um, Obviously, we were one of the biggest uh, deadline sellers, Uh, traded away a lot of good players, but um, none better than Jose Barrios. Uh, traded Jose uh, to the Blue Jays um, for a monster package. We got back, uh, the Twins did, a better prospect haul, in my opinion, than the Nationals did. And they traded away Scherzer, who by himself is a better pitcher than Jose Barrios. Uh, and then also Trey Turner, who's an all-star shortstop. Um, so credit to us for for leveraging him uh, as we did. Uh, we got back. Uh, the 2019's dra- the 2019 draft's number five overall pick, Austin Martin. He's an on-base machine. Uh, great baseball bloodlines was the best hitter on uh, a Vanderbilt's, uh, college World Series team. Uh, he's going to be, you know, our you know franchise shortstop slash you know utility infielder for the next ten seasons. So to get him and a high-quality pitcher uh, like Simeon Woods Richardson. I thought was um, a great move by a, a twins team that, you know, recognized the fact that they weren't going to be competitive. And, in, and instead of trying to hold on to players um, and lose them for nothing, uh, they, they made the move uh, to, to trade away um, some of, of our high-priced veterans. But the Blue Jays have so much young infield talent in their farm uh, system that trade in a way, Martin wasn't a huge deal, even if he was the best prospect traded in any deadline deal uh, this season. Um, because they're going to get Barrios not only for this season but next season as well. Um, by all accounts, you know Barrios is a high-level number two starter who I think will complement. Uh, I think it's uh, Hayoung, Jin Ryu. I probably butchered that, um, and also Robbie Ray. Uh, so a good s- stabilizing presence for them in the rotation. Um, even though the price to get him was pretty steep. Um, I'll talk about one more trade. Uh, it was the Phillies. Um, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners from the the uh, Philadelphia area, so this trade hits home for you guys. Uh, they they acquired uh, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy um, and a prospect Hans Kraus uh, for uh, Spencer Howard, uh, who is the best prospect in the uh, Phillies system. This is a super Kind of uh, surprising deal, I thought, just because, um, you know, Howard is one of the best pitching prospects in the MLB. And if you were to trade him and his many years of control, you'd hope to get a guy better than Kyle Gibson, who throughout his career has been nothing more than like a number three starter. He did uh, have an amazing start to this season. He posted a 2.0 ERA over his first 15 starts uh, through the end of June. So, you know, it's not like he's been a bad pitcher this season. Um, and also I feel like every season the Phillies have an awful bullpen. Um, and, uh, Ian Kennedy, even though he's really old, has been one of the best closers in the MOB this season. So they did fill two holes for this, uh, this season's postseason run. Um, but at a very steep price, uh, because Spencer Howard could have been, you know, their number two to three starter for the next, you know, 10 seasons. And now he's going to a, a Rangers team that isn't a complete rebuild. Um, Very interesting trade here because Gibson uh, should help right now this season behind uh, Zach Wheeler and and, uh, Aaron Nola in their rotation. Um, But, you know, two years down the line, we might be looking back at this deal um, and be like, you know, why did we trade this young all-star pitcher for two guys that could only help for one season? So if the Phillies win the World Series, this all doesn't matter, but the pressure is definitely on after this trade. Those were like the three biggest trades. Obviously, uh, we also saw Chris Bryant um, go uh, to the Giants for a pretty small package. Uh, But I think just I'll wrap up uh, with I think the biggest story of the deadline was just the Chicago Cubs breaking up their entire championship core, which I think is a little bit different than any other team doing it because of how special that core was to the city of Chicago, breaking their 100 plus year world series drought. Um, they basically traded everybody on their team with value. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, uh, even more players than that. Um, they got back some good prospects, but it was still pretty crazy to see, um, you know, all of those guys get traded within a matter of hours, um, just because of how, you know, much of an impact they had on that Cubs team, uh, for, you know, the last five seasons. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's more trades to dissect, more more moves that were made, but you can find all those deals online um, as well uh, with comments. So, I mean, it's going to be super fun to see um, all these competitive teams going for it, which I loved this season. It, it kind of felt like um, a, a domino effect where um, it started out with the Dodgers a- acquiring um, Trey Turner and, and Max Scherzer, and then that kind of offset you know, other teams to also go for it, trade away a bunch of young talent um in exchange for being more competitive this season, which I think will make for an awesome uh October kind of a postseason run for a lot of these teams. So yeah, keep your eye on the MLB.
0: I have a I have a quick follow-up question on that because it seems interesting. And at least when I think of free agency, I'm I'm thinking mostly of the NBA. And I I know from an outsider's perspective, sometimes when you look at what a team's doing, it's easy to tell that the timeline that they're on is different from the timeline that you may assume that their talent would suggest. Uh, so you may have a team going all in for a championship trading away assets or whatever, even though, you know, you may think that they're not you know prepared to make it. I throw out the Chicago Bulls as a team like this, but is there, if you could pick one MLB team that made a move or maybe didn't to you know, go all in for either this season, next season, have shortened their timeline to say, um, and you pick them out as being, you, you disagree with what they did. Um, and it's kind of short-sighted. Is there any team like that in the MLB?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would have said the Yankees um, because they did acquire uh, two a pretty high-priced uh, veterans um, for this season, even though uh, they're not, um above you know 10 games over 500 so it was pretty surprising uh but they they didn't give up really any of their top prospects for them so I can't really fault them for that um but I guess I would point to a team that didn't do anything as the biggest losers of the deadline which is the Boston Red Sox the Red Sox have been one of the best teams in the MLB all season long um so it's not like they had to do something big um but it's more of a result of the steps the other teams in the division took to improve. Like every team that's competitive did something right. The Rays acquired Nelson Cruz. Uh, the Yankees got Anthony Rizzo and uh, Joey Gallo. Um, and uh, who else? The And then uh, Toronto got Jose Berrios. So all those teams traded a bunch of young prospect depth uh, for players that could help now. And the biggest move that uh, the Red Sox made was acquiring Kyle Schwarber, who I think is still on, the injured list or like the COVID list. Um, and you've kind of seen it because in the last week or so uh, they've fallen pretty hard in the, in the standings They're They're obviously still in line to make the playoffs as it stands right now, but um, it's always kind of disheartening for a fan base to see, you know, your direct competitors in your division kind of take those next steps to, you know, put themselves in a position to win a world series and then to have your team not do anything besides getting an old slugger. I think that, um, was pretty like disappointing for, for Boston fans. I know, Kevin, you might feel the same way about that considering you're a Boston guy. Yeah,
2: I'm honestly kind of torn about it because on one hand, you know, just stick with what's working and this season has been working well, surprisingly, for them. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think it's scary when we get into the later months uh, when all the other competing teams are excelling and we're, we're just kind of lagging behind it.
1: I'm a little worried about the postseason after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I obviously am a Twins fan, so this this season's over for us. But um, I think, you know, all these teams, it's, it was like an arms race where every team was racing to, you know, pick up any player that could help them right now. And I think uh, the Red Sox kind of got left behind in that. I'll mention again just because I think it's one of the biggest tragedies in sports is the Angels not – maximizing Mike Trout's window like I understand Shohei Otani is the best player in the game they have Anthony Rendon who's been injured but the fact that we haven't seen Mike Trout play a postseason game the last eight seasons has just been you know so so awful I think for the game because of how you know talented he is and how bright he would shine on an October stage I don't like they it's it's obvious what they need to do every season which is upgrade the 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 pitching staff and Year in, year out, nothing happens. I would have loved to see them go get Jose Barrios, go get Max Scherzer. Um, but it just seems like they're not interested uh, in kind of investing and in pitching. Um, they didn't really do much at all at this deadline, um, which is obviously not atypical for them. But that's a team as well that I wish would have done more. I'm trying to think of a team I thought that did too much. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of teams were able to acquire premier talent without mortgaging the farm system like the biggest trade that was made in terms of prospects uh, was was either the jose barrios trade um, which they they uh, traded away uh to top 60 prospects for him um, which is a big deal um but that's also different because toronto has so much young infield depth in their farm system that they didn't necessarily need austin martin and then I would also point to the Dodgers trading away uh, Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, but you know they're they're getting immediate replacements for them. Um, obviously, Max Scherzer is a huge upgrade from Gray this season, um, and they also have their their uh, their catcher of the future in, in uh, Will Smith already on the roster. So, I in that respect, I don't think that there was a team that you know gave away way too much for a short term. Uh, results. I think the one team that would fit that is the Phillies, but it's not like they made, you know, three trades that were awful. Like they only made one trade that could come back to bite them uh, in uh, years to come. So um, that's kind of what I got. Yeah.
0: Well, there was other important MLB news, the field of dreams game, uh, which certainly came up on my, on my radar. I thought that was, that was super cool. And I think it was the, you know, most, the highest viewed MLB game, in 2005 which is pretty cool what did y'all think of that game
1: it was so awesome i love it, these are the things that the mob has to do i think to to revive the game um a lot of people kind of play like beyond just the baseball um fan group like you know guys like me who like grew up with the game and love the game for what it is like it's hard to attract casual viewers because of how you know it's there's not like a lot of action going on but I love when they do these things to kind of engage viewers uh, with the history of the game. Cause the history is so rich. Um, you know, the game itself was incredible. Like the white Sox won on a walk-off home run, um, which was just wild. They all had their old uniforms on in the cornfield in Iowa. And I think it's just an awesome way to like have kids watch the game and, you know, feel like they can connect to players because at the end of the day, like every MLB player is just a kid who gets to play a sport for a living. And, um, you know, I thought thought their effort behind that game was awesome to see. I totally agree, Andrew. And I I think it's the
2: best thing that the MLB has done for the sport of baseball in a long time, as far as I can remember. And um, the thing I love about it is because, like, viewership of the MLB has been going down. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do about that they have a few options. They could try to change the game or they can try to double down on what makes baseball baseball. And that's what they did with the field of Dreams scene. It's like, that is pure baseball at its finest. And they just narrowed down and focused in on making the experience as baseball as possible. And I loved it. And um, you know, it just makes me want to watch more baseball. And it, it also helped that uh, there was a walk-off home run to end it because uh, it couldn't be more of a storybook ending than that but um you know and then after that the next day like you turn on the little league world series and you remember like oh yeah this is this is baseball this is why i watch it we don't need to make it into another sport um we just you know can appreciate it for what it is yeah and i think this
0: provides an interesting transition at least to the nba because i think those the nba and the mlb share one thing and it's that maybe not declining viewership but Leagues that have very long regular seasons and that can can drop viewership at certain points in the season. I I can say for sure I love basketball, but I'm not watching like Sacramento Kings play their 53rd game in the regular season. But it, it's just like a, a spirit of experimentation. I think is something that could be valuable. I know the NBA, the WNBA is actually at a day in a midseason tournament, which the NBA has also talked about. Um, there's a the postseason, the, the play-in tournament now, which was really fun last year. To be determined how it's going to be next year, because I mean, you're not going to get Steph and LeBron in the play-in tournament. But this idea of adding new things, looking at you know old uh, IP or old like nostalgia, di- different different ways to keep the games and the regular flow of a season interesting is something that you know I support. Um, anyway. Moving on to the NBA, we had free agency take place in like, you know, 48 hours and there was like a hundred or however many deals. I don't think there was a single, you know, big like the biggest stars stayed mostly where they were, but certainly a lot of, a lot of changes across teams. And I know I have a couple of teams to, to talk about and, and some, some ideas
1: as well, but do either of y'all have a, have a team y'all want to start with? I think the Lakers have to be that team (laughs) because I just said any way that this ends is going to be so amazing to watch. It's either going to be one of the greatest big threes of all time. Like personally, I don't like, I'm not a big Russell Westbrook supporter. I think he's a massive stats over impact guy that you can't win with like at a championship level, but there's no ignoring his production. Like he he's one of the greatest producing point guards in the history of the game. And to, you know, pair him with arguably the best player ever with, and then Anthony Davis, I think is going to be awesome to see. Um, But I also think it could go horribly wrong because there is no spacing. Russell Westbrook's a non-shooter. And I think that, you know, with all those egos clashing in LA, I think it's going to be super, you know, combustible. I think there's going to be times this season where, you know, Westbrook's going to get in LeBron's eye. And I think LeBron's not going to like it. And I think, um, it's either going to be a, you know, massive train wreck, which is going to be awesome to see. It's fun. Or it's going to be a raging success. I don't think there's any in between.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, you know, you look at the two super teams in the NBA right now, the Lakers and the Nets, and I like the Nets way better just because of their personalities and their willingness to share the ball um for the few games that we got to see, like, uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together, like everyone doubted them or not everyone doubted them, but people thought that their egos might clash. But, you know, we've, we've always seen Kevin Durant's willing to give up the ball and um, he doesn't need to um, to be the lead uh, score, even though usually he, he is. Um, on the other hand, like you said, Russell Westbrook, you saw his emotions last uh, postseason in, in that um, in that series against the Celtics. he was so frustrated with his teammates and um I don't know I, I don't see his personality meshing with guys like LeBron who are ball dominant and Anthony Davis and Carmelo and we'll see how it goes. I mean a lot of old men over there in LA, um, we'll see if they can they can put it, put something together, but a great storyline nonetheless. Yeah, it's a, it was a weird exchange of moves. So they ended up signing seven
0: new free agents plus Russell West for bringing in. And at least notable among the people they shipped out, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one of the go-to three-point shooters and defenders on the team. Alice Caruso, who signed four-year, $37 million with the Bulls, which I think is a pretty reasonable contract for who would have been their what, starter for them, I think. I mean, one of the best defensive guards in the league and legitimately shot 40% from three last year. And it seems like the Lakers opted for Talon Horton Tucker instead um, on the on a three year, 30 ish million dollar deal, which, you know, it's certainly saying something about what they think about Taylor Horton Tucker for sure. But, you know, they have to back that up. Um, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn provide more scoring certainly than they had off the bench last year, uh, which is nice. Uh, Dennis Schroeder out the door, which we, we can certainly talk about later. He had a, uh, one of the rougher off seasons among guards. Uh, Wayne Ellington is a good guy to bring in. Honestly, a lot of these are good. Carmelo, I don't. There's no way he's playing, you know, crunch time minutes. Uh, and you know, with the Russell Westbrook trade, I I think if um, you know, if if they co- if if it all goes well and you know they play how they're supposed to in the playoffs, I don't think Russell Westbrook will be in the closing lineup for the Lakers because he's just too inefficient. He doesn't shoot, and the ball's gonna be handled in the hands of LeBron. So he's just going to be kind of out there. So I don't think there's any point for him to be there, but, you know, I mean, bringing in scores, Trevor Reese is probably a good closing guy, can play defense and can't really shoot much, but uh, these are solid signings. Again, it's going to come down to whether LeBron and AD are healthy or like, are fully healthy, at least during the playoffs and can hit the peaks that they did two years ago. So in, in a way they made, you know, they signed seven players, but the, Reliance on LeBron and AD is still there. So I don't think Russell Westbrook raises the ceiling much. So they made all these changes. I just don't know how much it actually changed in the way that the Lakers will play. Maybe during the regular season, they'll be better or score more, at least. The defense is going to be worse. Um, defense was awesome. I don't think it'll be much worse now. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see kind of what lineups got here, especially when if LeBron and AD miss time, you know, I mean, they, they do have more backup because Russell Westbrook can get them, you know, 30 points if, if LeBron and AD aren't playing. So maybe their, their regular season ceiling is a little, bit, a little bit higher. It's it's going to come down to the playoffs again. So
2: uh, we'll have to see there. Yeah, and it's fascinating. We all thought, or I thought, that um, Chris Paul was going to move to L.A. and be with his buddy LeBron, but that didn't happen. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that.
1: I Well, so I thought um, once uh, Russell Westbrook, the sign by the Lakers I think Chris Paul back to Phoenix was kind of a given uh but I think when it just just to wrap up the Lakers talk like I think the more important signings for them isn't even it, like yes Russell Westbrook has a lot of star power name recognition um and will demand attention from defenses at the very least uh but I think the signings of like Malik Monk Um, Wayne Ellington like floor spacers that can make shots from three point range are more important to the success of the team because as long as LeBron is the focal point of the offense like he's shown throughout his career that you know the key you know component of his greatness is how you know much attention he commands from defenses and how open how many open shots he can create for others Um, and I think that you, in order for like to capitalize LeBron's like you know age what like thirty eight season or like whatever it is like you need players that can consistently hit threes and that's why I thought losing Caruso was so important. Like I, I don't I if I'm the Lakers I have no idea why he wasn't a priority to resign because Taylor Horton Tucker while he has a ton of potential is only potential right now uh because and you can't be you know developing players along when you have lebron james on your roster like you need to be you know doing whatever you can to make your roster championship level and i think losing a key three and d guy like uh, caruso is going to be I-, I think super important for the success of their defense and they're also their spacing um they for me it this sounds too simplistic but the, the, the entire season for the, the Lakers, I think, comes down to if Russell Westbrook can keep defenders honest from three-point range and if Anthony Davis can hit more than like 35% of his threes. Because if Anthony Davis can hit threes and uh, stretch the floor and R- Westbrook can at least command attention from defenders at the three-point line, that's going to open up so many lanes for LeBron you know, to, to drive through, to kick out to shooters, um, and I think will be the success of their offense. Carmelo Anthony, I think, will have a bigger role than people realize on the team just just because, you know, for, for one, he's super close with LeBron. So LeBron is basically – he's the coach. He's the GM. he's the play, He is the, the key decision-maker for the Lakers and will get Carmelo good minutes. And I think he's a great shooter. There, there, no one's, you know, going to debate that. So I think his ability to knock down shots will be key to their season. Um, but I, I just loved, like – I don't love super teams as a concept, but the idea of like a Nets-Lakers championship where you have all of these incredible NBA talents clashing and like it's just going to be awesome to see. Um, I think we should go now to like the Bulls maybe because they were the team that I think was the second most active team in a free agency. Um, They did a lot of marginal moves, I think. They paid Lonzo Ball. A ridiculous amount of money. I think it was like three years 85 million, which is like near max money for a guy who like isn't a max player.
0: Lonzo's um, five. Ma- oh, uh, it's
1: 585. And DeMar is 385. Excuse gotcha. Me. Okay. Well, that makes it better, I guess. I my fault on that. But I think Lonzo, like, he he has um he, he's a legitimate shooter now, which I think is huge for his game. Um, he's always been a great defensive guard, and I think he'll pair super nicely with Zach Levine in the backcourt because of his defensive abilities and his ability to shoot. Um, the key, like, the, the DeMar DeRozan, though, like, let's let's talk about that. What are your guys' thoughts on that contract?
0: It's terrible. It's so bad. Three years, $85 million already is not a good price for DeMar DeRozan, who's just routinely inefficient and can't guard anybody. And on top of that, you're getting him in a sign-and-trade where you're giving away a first-round pick, two second-round picks, and Thaddeus Young, who could contribute for you. So you're giving away so much for this guy who is inefficient offensively, cannot play defense, and you're just creating a starting five of players who cannot guard anybody. I It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of them getting DeRozan, although I do
2: like the Alex Crusoe deal. And the Lonzo Ball deal isn't too bad. I agree. No, I like Caruso. Um, but DeRozan, I just looked it up. He's 32 years old. I think that's a little bit late in his career to be getting that that kind of deal and giving up the assets that you just mentioned.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the DeRozan contract was just entirely name recognition. Like his, I mean, yes, he's a good mid-range shooter, and like that's kind of where it stops. Like I think what's key for him is, like, he hasn't had a season, I think, where he has a positive plus minus. So teams are worse with him on the court than they are without him. Um, And I think, like, they made such, like, the the Lonzo Ball move on five years is a lot better than what I thought. So I think that's a good move. Then Then you think about Caruso, who's, like, one of, like, the best six men in the league now, I would say. You have Vucevic. You have Patrick Williams. Um, and not only do you give a aging, non-shooter, bad defender, $85 million, but you trade away, like you said, Noah, your most impactful defender to do it and future draft picks. So it's not like they just signed him and like they traded away assets to give him that much money. So that makes it way worse for me. Um, I would have traded Markkanen instead of a uh, Thaddeus Young, because I think Markkanen is kind of redundant. He doesn't play any defense. So I, that move just shocked me. And I think it's not going to go well. I could see them like, like releasing him after one season. I don't think like DeMar DeRozan is a modern NBA fit and he's definitely not going to be a, the closer for that team. Cause that's going to be Zach Levine. So I, I thought that was a extremely short sighted move that casual NBA fans will like, because it's like, Oh, De- DeMar DeRozan, like, like he's a great, player or he was so it can't be that bad but like in any other way it's a bad move so i didn't like that very much um i guess where else should we go we can talk about the wizards like what they got
0: wizards and the heat
1: would be the The heat right and true well just with the wizards like i actually think kyle kuzma is going to be a lot better than people think this season with more of a leash or like or sorry a less of a leash in uh washington because i think Whenever you're playing with LeBron, you kind of get confined to the role he wants you to play. And like Kuzma is a guy that isn't a catch-and-shoot player, which, what, which is what he was kind of cast in LA as. Um, but I think with more freedom in uh, Washington, he's going to be able to like, have more playmaking responsibilities and can take some of that pressure off of Bradley Beal's shoulders. I loved the, uh, the Dinwiddie signing because I think he, at full health, is like a fringe all-star point guard and um, should be a good compliment, a much better compliment than uh, Russell Westbrook was last season because of how ball dominant he was. And I think just getting any assets back for Russell Westbrook and his monster contract was a win, regardless of how good they are. Like, I know they kind of got spare parts, Montrez Harrell, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, but they did get an extra first round pick. Um, and I think, uh, you know, those players still have value. Like Montrez Harrell, it's two years removed from you know six man of the year, Contavius Caldwell Pope has been one of the best three D players in the NBA in the last you know eight seasons. So those players are going to have roles on the Wizards next season, and they'll be, and they'll be useful. And if not, they can always trade them later. Um, people like are putting a lot of pressure, I think, on Washington to to you know create a championship caliber roster around Bradley Beal. But my question to you guys is like what else could they have done? Because I don't, there were not many star level free agents um, like to be had this off season. And it's not like they're overflowing with like, like young players to trade for, for like a Damian Lillard type player. So, you know, what, what could they do or what should they have done to make Beal happy? Honestly, at this point, I just, you know, Bradley Beal's talked about wanting to stay
0: in the organization, which I get it, but I just don't think like, once you have Bradley Beale and Russell Westbrook, I mean, once you have Russell Westbrook, getting off of that contract is going to take something. like You're not getting a ton back for that. And on top of that, I mean, the, the roster's not stacked as it is already. I mean, you're paying uh, Davis Bertens, you know, a lot, a lot of money. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to build a team. I, I, yeah, It's hard to know what else they could have done. The roster's decent. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie's, like, good. Three or 62, solid. I mean, KCP, Aaron Holiday from the Pacers was good. Um, I mean, it's hard to know what else they could have done. I think they're still probably going to be battling for a play-in spot, a spot in the playing plan tournament, you know, one of those 9-10 seeds. But I don't know. I think it's time for, for them to just trade Beal and, and tear it down the to studs, to be honest. But, you know, a fun fact, Spencer Dinwoody, uh, three years, $62 million was his contract. He has a $1 incentive if the Wizards win a championship. So if the Wiz- Wizards <laughs> win a championship, he gives a $1 so bonus. Yeah, it's great. Hey, if
1: I'm the Wizards, like, I don't care about Bradley Beal's loyalty right now. Like, with how scarce, of uh, like, there are of, like, stars available, they could get a drinks truck of assets for Bradley Beal in a trade. So if I'm them, I'm going to, to a team like the Nuggets and being like, give me Michael Porter Jr. and three first-round picks – and all of a sudden you now have draft flexibility for the next three seasons and a young franchise like 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 centerpiece in Michael Porter Jr., which they could use, or they could go to like the Warriors and, and get Jonathan Kaminga or like these guys that can help them because they're not winning, like as long as the Nets have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, and Kyrie Irving, like you're not beating the Nets. Like you're not gonna win a championship. So I understand, you know, there's value in um uh, the status quo with with Bradley Beal because of how much he's meant to their franchise, but pushing back their timeline three seasons to when there's a m- bunch more uncertainty in the league and they can beat players down the line. Like, I think, I think that's the only, I guess, path forward for them because there are just so many good teams in the East now. Like they're not beating the bucks. Like they're not beating uh, the heat with, you know, Kyle Lowry now. Like I just think that the Sixers, uh, there's just so many teams I think that are so much better um, then the wizards, and there's so much opportunity for them to trade Beal at his highest price. Like there's a real outcome of this where they lose Bradley Beal for nothing in a free agency, which would set them back, you know, eight seasons to make up for that. So with, with the market as it is right now, I I'm going to the warriors or I'm going to the Sixers, uh, getting Ben Simmons or just some player like that to help them, you know, in years forward, um, and uh, not waste time uh, while they still can. Yeah, I'm with you, Andrew. I don't see them uh,
2: poking through the East right now, and um, I think it it could be worth it for them just to start over. But honestly, I'm pretty impressed with the haul that they got for uh, Russell Westbrook, and I think um, he was just so toxic for their organization in general, and um, that obviously wasn't going to last. And um, we'll see what happens when they don't have – him, you know, leading the charge, maybe they'll fall apart. Maybe Russell was right, but I don't know. I, I think that it's time to rebuild.
1: I guess uh, let's talk about Ben Simmons because um, it's one of, I think the crazier like situations in recent memory in the NBA, because like everything about Ben Simmons, like, like if you take shooting off the table, he's one of the best players in the NBA. He's one of the best like individual defenders. He's a playmaker. He rebounds, he passes the ball. Um, So he can do all these things at such a high level. Um, And his value right now is so low that a team could get him at a discounted price and have like, you know, a number two option on an NBA finals team. You know, I think that it's going to be really interesting as to where he goes because there's not a lot of like immediate landing spots for him. Um, Obviously the one that, sticks out is Portland uh, with the whole Damian Lillard situation. Um, but that's going to take more time to play out. And all indications are like Ben Simmons is not going to return to Philly. Like he's cut off all um, conversations with uh, the Sixers front office, um, hasn't spoken to teammates. Like he's basically on his own now. And with and with Maury, their GM, asking for like the moon uh, for him, I think they, they asked the Warriors for like – Andrew Wiggins, their are two first round picks this season. And then like two more first round picks and like f- future seasons, which is just crazy. Um, I think that they'll end up trading him at a, at a crazy disc- discounted price to a team. Um, and that team will, will end up getting a guy um, that could help them years to come. Uh, I think a team like that, like, I think it's either going to be uh, the Blazers or the Warriors. Um It just depends as to whether they would accept uh, uh, a CJ McCollum at a first round pick for, for Ben Simmons. I don't know if they will, but I think as more time goes on, the more urgency they'll have to trade him. Warriors are interesting because of all the young talent they have. Like they they basically have a bench unit of like four first round picks the last two seasons. Um, They can make a super, they have the best, I, I think collection of draft assets of any team in the NBA like they can offer an unbeatable package. Like they can offer Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, and uh, Moses Moody, and get basically any player they want. Um, so I think we'll see. What, like, what do you guys think?
2: Um, I would. I like the idea of him going to the Warriors with the shooting power that they're going to have anyways, with uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson coming back, and they don't necessarily need um, more people to spread the floor because of the, those two. Um, my question to you guys is, what about a one-for-one one Draymond Green for Ben Simmons? I don't think the Warriors take that. I
1: don't know if I like for either team, to be honest. <laughs> either team?
0: I think ben, ben Simmons is probably worth more. Draymond, Draymond's getting old. Um, I don't know how his fit – he doesn't fit super well with Philly because Philly needs shooters as well I mean, and wing scorers particularly. Yeah, it, it's interesting because the, the Blazers didn't sign a ton of guys – And it seemed like Dame was like halfway through the door um, earlier on in the off season, especially around Olympic time, there was some smoke coming. I know Mark Stein, I think reported this, that he was, you know, on the, on the brink of requesting a trade. Um, So it's hard to know what exactly is going on in the organization there. Um, Daryl Morey in, um, in Philly is, you know, one of the the smartest GMs. So I I don't think he's going to take a super cut rate deal. I think he might just end up keeping Ben Simmons if, if, if it all comes to work, if, if he doesn't get an offer that he's going to take, um, I do think, I mean, Portland's probably the spot, although the Warriors package, if they'd be willing to offer it, would be better. Um, I just don't know if the Warriors would. The Warriors, uh, also the Warriors, like, um, their, their cap bill is insane. They're paying, like, $350 million in repeater tax money. Uh, due to the contracts that they've given out. Um, so the Warriors are, are spending a lot of money. Uh, picked up Andre Godala, but, you know, who knows? They could, they have Kaminga uh, and and Wiseman last year, and Wiseman didn't look like he was ready to contribute for an NBA team yet. So who knows? It's probably something to watch. It's, it's interesting that he hasn't been traded yet, uh, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of reporting around, you know, teams that are interested in him outside of, like, it's not even reporting, but like the, the annual training camp videos of Ben Simmons hitting like a jump shot, and everybody going crazy. Everyone that's going the, crazy. <laughs> that's that's the best part about the off season. So, um, I suppose probably more likely than not that he plays, that he doesn't play for the Seventy season next year. But I don't think Morris going to take too much of a cut rate deal. Just you know,
1: because I, yeah, yeah, I remember. agree. I think like he does still have a ton of value and the media portrays him as this like broken player, but even if he never learns to shoot, like he's still an incredibly valuable and impactful player. Um, They could always take him back, but I for one love his fit on the Warriors because of of just how much spacing they have. I think he's miscast as a point guard. I don't like, he would be so much better as a playmaking power forward where he doesn't have pressure to, you know, like initiate the offense. He can catch the ball at the elbow and make plays from there. Um, which he'd be able to do with the Warriors, is with uh, Steph Curry um, and Clay Thompson, he would help them immensely on the on the uh, defensive end because Curry isn't a great defender, um, and Thompson's still coming off those two missed seasons. Um, they like like I said, like they have the ability to make that trade because like obviously Wiseman's a weird fit because um, they already have Embiid, but uh, a potential lineup of Curry, Thompson, Ben Simmons. Um, Draymond Green and like whoever else, like that is a, I think a crazy competitive team in the West, a team that could definitely challenge the Lakers and a possibility of like that could actually happen. So that would be a, I think, a way for them to, you know, move forward as a team and, and get better to maximize uh Steph Curry's, you know, back end of his career. Uh should we go on to the heat now? Cause I think I think they were, like, the the next team up in terms of, like, moves they made. They gave Duncan Robinson a lot of money. Do, do you guys like, think that they, was a good move? They were doling out the money this offseason. And,
0: yeah, Duncan Robinson, five years, $90 million. It, it looks like that is – I mean, he's – I think, you know, without hesitation, the best three-point shooter in the league. So, you're paying for that. I, I That's just a lot of money. Uh, and I think – it's a, it's a lot of money for a skill set that you know, you're going to get as long as you can stay on the floor and run off screens, man, that's still a lot of money. That's just a lot of it's, it's below. So that's, that's 18 million a year. Ooh, I guess that, I, uh, I bet that's,
1: that's probably market price, right? He would have gotten the same deal from a, like a, a, a different team. So it's not too bad in that respect. Plus like they need him because Kyle Lowry is a good shooter, not a great shooter. Same with Butler bam out of bio like whenever you have those three players as kind of like your key core your key i guess contributors like you need players that can space the floor which he can do um i for one thought giving kyle lowry 85 million dollars at this point of his career uh was kind of a result of the market like just the fact that there weren't any other big superstars to pursue they they kind of felt pressured to to get him at all costs um i just like i don't know if if like is this team better than like the bucks? I don't think they are. They're not better than the nets. Like, are they better than the Sixers? Maybe, but not, you know, like if they are not by much. So it's like, I think all these moves were kind of made on the margins and a, like a starting five of Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, bio and like whoever else, is not going to get past the Eastern conference finals. And I think was just, I disagree with giving Kyle Lowry three seasons of 85 million, because what that does is that, you know, will make you better this next season, but it also takes away all your cat flexibility for next off season, where there could be more superstars available um, that are like better fits for their timeline. And that can raise their, there's their, their championship ceiling higher. Um, I guess that was like the main thing. Do you guys agree? I think Duncan Robinson's worth the money um,
2: specifically because he proved that he can do it in the clutch um, when they made that finals run a couple years ago. And uh, he was unbelievable. What do you guys think of PJ Tucker uh, now NBA champion signing with Miami? I like it. I think it was a great move for the bucks to get him in the first place. I think he, help them out in their championship run. In um, Miami, I don't know if he's a great fit, though. What do you guys think?
1: I love him on that contract, though. To get him for two years, $15 million is a steal because you're paying, what, $7.5 million for a guy that can guard the best player on the opposing team at a high level and make shots from like from the perimeter? Like He's a player that has shown time and time again that uh, he is championship- caliber and can help teams win championships um he did it with uh the Bucks. he's he almost got there with the rockets um so i think it's a great contract he'll be you know you're basically getting a guy like that who's gonna play um crunch time closing minutes uh, right off the bat for them for less than 10 million dollars so i love that contract yeah they're they're gonna be
0: it's hard to evaluate i was gonna say like they might have the best defensive lineup in the in the league because you've got But you just have three defenders who are good defenders, but aging Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, all great defenders at one point. PJ Tucker was, you know, did as good a job as you can on Kevin Durant during the postseason. I mean, he was, you know, bothering him as much as possible. If PJ Tucker can keep that, stay healthy, then he's probably worth two years, 15 just to be able to guard Kevin Durant. Um, And then you have, I mean, they have got decent facsimiles to guard the biggest. You know threats in the East because you have Bam, who can give, do a decent job on uh, on Giannis. Uh, you know, decent, however relevant that is. But you know, Kyle Lowry's going to be—he doesn't have the same—you know—first step. He's not as quick, but you know, he can, he's a good guard. You know, he's a good guard defender, good offensive player as well. Jimmy Butler, you know, he's still got—he's—he's I mean, he's lost some of his juice from before, but he's still a great defender. And you know, offensive—they've got enough players to, to share the offensive load as well. Um, I, Tyler Hero off the bench. It's a it's a solid team. Uh, if I mean if the Nets are healthy, I just don't know. I, I just don't think there's a team that can you know beat them. But this, I, I think the Heat have positioned themselves to be, I think, I, in my view, the third, the third contender in the East outside of Milwaukee and Brooklyn. That makes sense.
1: Like I like, but uh, it's just hard because there, there are just so many teams that are kind of on the fringes in the East. Like I, for one, think this, the, the, the team no one's talking about is the Indiana Pacers, because I think they're starting five of Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Karis Levert, who was injured a lot of last season, TJ Warren, who missed all of last season an all-star power forward in a DeMontis uh, Sabonis and uh, one of the best shot blockers in the NBA, Miles Turner. Like that's a very competitive starting five. And they also have great depth. Um, with guys like, uh, you know, they got Chris Duarte in the draft and they hope he'll play right away. Um, TJ McConnell's a great backup point guard. Uh, who else do they have? They have, um, I mean, those are like the key rotation players. Like, I think that's a team that will be a lock for the playoffs. And I think can give, you know, teams like the Nets fits because of how much depth they have. Um, but yeah, like, I think that feels right. Like the third best team in the East behind the bucks and, uh than that's because I think the Sixers have too many unanswered questions to put them above the heat right now because of, you know, the team could look dramatically different next week than it does right now. Um, But obviously the West is still stacked. I would have loved to see the, the, um, oh, the Knicks. We we didn't talk about the Knicks. That's kind of crazy. I forgot about them because they got Kemba Walker. They got Evan Fournier. What are your thoughts on that, Noah? Like I, I I thought they gave a lot of money to a lot of like fringe players that you know might not raise raise their ceiling higher than it was last season. I thought signing Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose wasn't great because you know you're giving sixty four million dollars to Kemba Walker's bulky right knee that might explode like a weekend of the season, and you're taking away minutes from from Emmanuel quickly, who I think is a more impactful player um, than both those players right now. What are your thoughts?
0: So I they gave out a lot more money. I know two years ago a big thing the Knicks were doing were just giving out two year deals with uh, team options on the on the second year. So you know very little commitment, but the the money looks like a lot. It's kind of the same thing here, although they're doing it a little bit further time commitment commitments. A lot of these deals you know came out initially. Evan Fournier four years, seventy eight made me laugh when I first saw it. because I was like, thank thank goodness the Celtics didn't do that. That's a lot of money for Evan Fournier. But it turns out there's a team option. Uh, and the, the whole contract's not fully guaranteed. So they sign these guys, but they've added a lot of flexibility. So they can still potentially make moves through trades or, or free agency in the future as well. Um, you know, they've got Kimball Walker, two years, $16 million is, I mean, that's, that's a really cut rate. I mean, that's, that's tough for Kimball Walker. If they can get him, you know, playing, you know, as he used to play in MSG uh, when he was at UConn, those, those big East tournaments, those, you know, crazy highlight reels. I mean, you know, who knows, but a lot of guards, Julius Randall, four years, 106 million uh, extension as well was, I think that's, that's that's a pretty good price for a guy like Julius Randall who probably would have been demanding the max uh, during the offseason, given his, his performance, I think he was all NBA at some point. So a lot of moves, a lot of guys in the door. I, I don't think their ceilings much higher. I mean, they, they certainly their offense is going to be better. That's, you know, without a doubt, Evan Fournier, Kimba Walker, their offense can be better. We'll see how the team gels, especially, you know, Tom Thibodeau. I think last year was like the best situation for him. When you have a team who's like fighting on defense, that's like a Tibbs team. And then just absolutely, you know, Frank was just failed in the playoffs because they couldn't score. And so now Julius Randall has these other guys to play off of as well. There'll be more space on the floor as well. Kimba Walker, Evan Fournier can shoot. Um, so I think they'll be better. I don't think they, it looks like they committed a lot of money. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. So on all, all they they're probably better than they were last year. It's just the East is so competitive. It's hard to know. They're still waiting for, you know, their big, the big time free agent to come there. Um, I'm, you know, Zion is, see that seems to be something like I, there, I just want that to happen at this point. Cause it'd be so cool to see Zion and, and MSG and, You know, he's, he said that MSG was like the best place to play outside of New Orleans and they're, they're still waiting on their big free agent, but it's just kind of just pushing the boat along, I guess it's not, it's, you're not like raising the ceiling too much, but it's, you know, better players than last year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought that's a great point about uh, Julius Randall. I I think, like you said, like he would have gotten the max from uh, somebody else. So getting him below that rate is huge. Um I just think that like the Knicks are such a burgeoning team right now. Like there's like, like a lot of hype around it. And I think even if the Knicks are a playoff team, like that's going to attract so many free agents to come kind of be the savior of the Knicks and all that kind of thing. If they have a competitive, you know, core. And I think tying up three years of money in Kemba Walker isn't, you know, um, the best use of, uh, you know, capital, um, you have next offseason players coming off their contracts. Like I thought, they they could they could have made a much better pitch to a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Like he would have been a great fit on that team. Um, so, so I think it obviously the Knicks are a better team tomorrow with Kemba Walker on their team than they are without him. It just is a matter of you know how much better uh, the next three seasons in comparison to teams like the Nets. So yeah, I mean it's hard to really compare any team
2: to the Nets with the star power that they have and you know as far as offseason deals go what can you really do there's only one Kevin Durant in the world and um he's kind of head and shoulders above everyone else and when you add the star power that they have behind him too it's like all right we're doing the best we can here I think they've made some good moves um obviously uh Kemba Walker tough to see him go from the Celtics but also not very tough because he's been inconsistent uh i like your point about the big east tournaments and him uh revamping that star power that he had there once upon a time and i think it's a great deal for their offense and as far as zion williamson goes i don't know if i'm zion if you look at the knicks fans right now i'm not sure if i want to go there with all that expectation and it seems like a lot of pressure to be going to msg right now also it comes with a lot of brand deals and sponsorships, but he has those anyways. I mean, if I were him, I would go to a place like the Celtics, Nanking. But like, you know, I, I'm not sure. I would be hesitant to to hop on the Zion on the Knicks bandwagon.
1: I'm hopping on that. I would love it. I think it would be amazing. He's just he would electrify um, MSG, and I think. That situation in New Orleans, I think it's gonna, you know, deteriorate pretty quick. To be honest, I think in this day and age, like patience is like so low for for teams that aren't championship caliber. Doesn't help that like New Orleans isn't a great basketball town either. So there's not a lot of you know fan base pressure for for Zion to stay. Um, and I think he would be like um, an amazing fit on that roster. It would be weird. To have him play with RJ Barrett, like college teammates, together again in the Big Apple, um, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, also Luca got a huge contract, two hundred and seven million dollars. Trey Young did, did the same. Um, I that situation, I think, is also pretty pretty um, one to monitor because you know the Mavericks didn't do much to prove uh, prove themselves outside of uh, retaining Tim Hardaway Jr. Um and uh, trading Josh, Josh Richardson uh, to the Celtics, um, I think they had to do something more drastic. I would love to see them trade everybody for Bradley Beal, or you know, like even a um a column from the Blazers, or like do something to help Luca right now. Because I think if they wait two more seasons and they don't get better, Luca could demand a trade, and you know that would be just catastrophic for their franchise. So that's that's also one one team to watch as well. For sure,
0: another guy who got max extension was uh, Shea gilgis Alexander, Thunder. You know, what do y'all think of that? I think it's five years, two hundred million dollars. It's that's
1: a lot. What do you think? I think they had to, uh, but I think it's obviously too much too soon. Um, yeah, I think that like if they hadn't have done that, like a like a, a different team would have. But again, I think it's just like crazy risky. Um, considering he's only had one season of you know, near all-star level production.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that season unfolds with uh, the assets that they got in the draft. Um, But I agree. I think it's a little much. I don't think the Thunder are going to be very relevant.
0: I'll I'll crack myself. Five years, one. Oh, no. Five years, 172. Uh, It looks like it's his contract. But uh, moving on to a team that did, as a brand new GM, brand new head coach as well, some interesting moves and, a guy who had a very rough offseason ended up there as well. Uh, Dennis Schroeder ending up the Boston Celtics one year, 5.9 million dollars. Kevin, what did you think about the Celtics offseason
2: moves? I'm just gonna comment on Schroeder in the first place. I mean, I was playing poker with somebody's last weekend, and it felt like when you you think you have a great hand and you just go all in, and then you realize that like I I lost it all. And so honestly, like If I'm Schroeder and I gave up, so first they offered him two years, $33.4 million, the the Lakers did. And then he declined that and they offered him four years, $84 million. And he declined that too because he wanted something in the $100 million range. And now he's getting one year at $5.9 million, which is still a crazy amount of money. But I mean... Oh my god! So hopefully he he is hungry to get a big contract like he he really wants and thinks he deserves. And you know he's he's been up there as some of the one of the best six men in the in the league at one point. And if he can do that for the Celtics, I think he would he's going to be a great contributor. Yeah, I mean, on, it is hilarious that he gave up four years, eighty four million dollars, got
0: one year five point nine. Um, and it also it seems like from the reporting that. Dennis Schroeder is not like the greatest teammate as well. So, I mean, you know, karma for what whatever, for whatever it's worth. But, I mean, one, one year 5.9 for a team that needs scoring is a great deal um, because even if – I mean, he's got to play better than what he did in the playoffs. And if he's coming off the bench for this team that probably needs scoring and a point guard, then I think it's probably a good deal. Also, the, the Celtics brought in Chris Dunn from the Hawks and then Josh Richardson and Bruno Fernando uh, as well those through trades. And, you know, Chris Dunn's an interesting, they seem to be showing up their point guard or guard spot. Chris Dunn, a, a defensive guy. He's going to be able to put out some pretty strong defensive lineups. Uh, Chris Dunn and Marcus Smart at the guard positions, and then Al Horford at the five potentially. we we'll see if Josh Richardson can improve his, his level of play as well. Uh, it's hard to know. You know, I- Ime Udoka is the new coach. we we'll see how he's going to play with a you know with this roster. It'll be interesting. Bruno Fernando, a decent prospect, a, a big guy. Um you know, adding to the collection really, but we will see because you've got Robert Williams there too. I mean, just should be interested to see what lineups they can put out. They've got some new guys there. Dennis Schroeder, I think was important, an important signing. Oh, they also got Enos Cantor. I forgot about that. Oh man. Why? Why did they sign Enos Cantor? They don't know.
2: I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. He's a good rebounder, and he we need some big men. But
1: I feel like yeah. he's always just like he's always on. Like I always watch him on TNT. Like he's always on, like the Blazers or the Celtics. He trades off. <laughs> he yeah. keeps
2: securing the bag somewhere, and then just not playing defense. Yeah, he's uh, hopefully, hopefully Brad knows what he's doing because he's seen you know up close what these players are capable of, and I think that's an advantage as a, as a GM, you know, to have that former coaching perspective um so hopefully he knows what he's doing but yeah a little questionable he was
0: he was pretty aggressive for the you know first offseason as a gm making you know a handful of trades bringing out guys and and you know leaving out others so it'll be interesting to see how it works out are there any other teams that uh you guys wanted to mention uh, in their free agencies
1: I think just one team to watch is the Blazers because something's got to give with that situation. You know, it's either going to be Damian Lillard leaving or McCollum leaving. Like they're not going to run it back next season with that as their core. So i uh, keep an eye on Portland to make
0: a big, a big move. Yeah. There's still maybe some, some trades left to be made uh, in this off season, but uh, that that'll wrap up today's episode. Do you guys have anything else you'd like to like to mention?
2: No, that, that was a great episode. Um, Looking forward to the NFL season. We can talk more about the preseason maybe next time, but, uh, you know, super exciting. Always this type of year, you get little butterflies in your stomach, like, oh, here we go. Uh, so excited it, for that.
0: It's felt like the year has just, like, one sport has moved into another. It was like basketball and then, like, moving into like the finals and the draft and the offseason. Now, preseason NFL is here. It doesn't feel, it's, I don't know, it's crazy. And, only three preseason games. So the season starting soon. Premier League soccer is back this weekend as well. You know, Got gotta shout that out. Um, so you know, a lot of sports coming back, even though it feels like they just finished. So thanks everybody for for tuning in today. We'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Thanks guys.